The following audio is from The Grove Church. For more information about the church or to listen to previous sermons, visit our website at grove.church. Happy New Year! Come on, Happy New Year! Nah, you guys are still sleeping or something, you need some coffee? I'm going to go ahead and drink some water out of my brand new V-Dub mug here, so don't mind me. Mm, it's good water, something about a V-Dub mug that makes water so much better. Um, Anyway, hey, we're jumping into a new year, and you know, I am excited about 2018, and I want to offer you, if you're taking notes, which I always encourage, um, some things to pray for. First of all, um, our grand opening for our Grove Kids Wing is coming up, and we originally were hoping it would be at the end of January, but we've got some different snags we've run into that we've had to push it a couple of weeks, and so just pray for us in, in, in relationship with the city and getting different, different permitting and things approved and, and finalized, as well as with the contractors, just some wisdom for the staff and, and contractors and stuff like that. Um, and so we're moving towards that grand opening. Yes, the restrooms are open. For those that were wondering, like, why does it look all blocked off? It's because the new restrooms are open, and you get in there a little differently than going all the way down the hallway. Um, the second thing I want to mention to pray for is in 2018, we're hoping it'll we'll finalize the sale of our property up north, which will allow us to move towards phase two and three of the renovations that are happening around here, and that would be a new auditorium and lobby. And so just pray about that. Pray for that. Um, we got an email recently from the the group that's looking to purchase that property, and uh, the timeline may possibly be somewhere in the window of May. So it's coming up, which would allow us to, to move towards breaking ground on those next phases. Um, and then finally, and this is definitely not you know, last, last but definitely not least, um, is really just continue to pray that all of us would have a heart to, to reach those that, that we have influence with, whether it's the families that God has placed each of us in, or you know, it's the neighborhoods or apartment complexes or places that we live or, or whatever it might be. Just continue to pray for that because we've said before, there are about 117,000 people that live within a five-mile radius of right here that, man, we want to care about that. We want to express Christ's love too. And so continue to pray for that because we are not, as I've said before, we're not a country club. The church does not exist for us. We are the church and we exist for the world. We want people to realize how much God loves them through the work of Christ. So just some things to pray about. We're going to be in the book of Exodus. If you've got a Bible with you, we're going to be in Exodus 2, 3, and 4. And uh, this message is about four hours because we're going to get through three chapters. Just kidding. Um, not really, but let's jump in. And I'm going to start with this uh, simple phrase, you will never finish something you don't start. Now, that's not new news, and some of you are about to roll your eyes and go, oh, here we are, we're going to talk about New Year's resolutions and, and setting goals, and, and many people anymore just roll their eyes at the idea. Many of us just kind of intended to stumble into a new year going, well, it's just going to be like last year, the year before, and like time's always been, and really nothing ever changes, and I've done the goal setting before, I've done the set resolutions before, and the bummer is at the end of every year, I always fail, and honestly, you're going, at the end of every year, like end of January, I'm done with them all. So I get that we feel a little leery of this conversation, but I want you to follow me all the way to the end simply because I do believe there's something powerful about actually setting goals. I don't like to call them resolutions because we kind of get this idea that it's every new year and they kind of fade away. So the idea of setting goals. But here's the thing I really believe. Ultimately, we roll our eyes because there's a certain fear in us. We're afraid to start because we don't want to fail. 
And we failed in the past, and there's been times where we've taken it kind of hard. Like, I started good, and everything fell apart, and it's a mess, and nothing ever changed. Or, you know, I, I, I got started, and things were going awesome, but, but it didn't really end the way that I wanted to. And so we just play this card. You know what? It's not going to work. Why in the world would I consider looking at how things could be different when I know nothing's ever really going to change? I'm just here to live life and die, and that's that. And, and maybe you haven't thought that far into the conversation, but that's kind of the attitude that we have. I want to challenge you. I want to create some tension in all of us because it's easy to simply go, oh, looky, a New Year's message. How cute and fitting. But I want to ask this simple question. What is it that you need to start? What do you need to start? Maybe for some you go, you know, it's, it's, it's exercise. I got to eat healthier. You know, I, I was thinking about how um, you know, there's, some of you are on Netflix and you binge watch and you don't worry so much about commercials and, and others there's commercials but you fast forward through because you DVR but some of us, and, and, and I'm weird like this, I actually like commercials because I like to see how they're putting things together and what the wording is and branding and stuff like that so I've watched certain commercials and some of you have as well where they talk about if you take this certain medicine it will help you, you know, fill in the blank it will help you lose weight, feel better have more energy, whatever it might be and over and over, out the commercial, then they begin to get in the side effects. Anybody hear you know what I'm saying? And you hear the side effects and you're like, why would I ever take that to fix this when all this is going to go wrong with me? It's like certain side effects include, you know, vomiting, nauseousness, diarrhea, maybe death. You're like, yippee, what a great medicine, you know, and it's a litany of things. But in, in many of those commercials that are geared towards the idea of having a different physique or being healthier or whatever it might be, at the end of those commercials, it almost always says this. This, does, this pill does not replace what? Diet and exercise, which should make you clue in on maybe there's something to the diet we need to have and the exercise that we really need for our bodies. Is anybody with me on this? And so maybe for you, you need to start really taking a look at how to be healthier because it does matter. Maybe for you, 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 need to, you want to find a good romantic relationship. Like I've been single, been doing this single thing. And, and maybe for you, it's just simply going, you know what I need? I need to get on eHarmony and, and create a profile. Or, you know, I need to get on Christian Mingle. Or, or you know, I need to get on FarmersOnly.com. <laughs> have, you, have you seen this? Anybody seen this besides me? The first time I saw it, I thought it was like one of those joke commercials. FarmersOnly.com. Like, what? Farmers Only? But anyway, if that's you, God bless you. And, and maybe for some, to help you with the romantic relationship side of life, maybe what you just need to do is shower more. And so that's, if that's you, you know, do not bump your neighbor and like, that's you. But anyway, so, but uh, find a good relationship. Maybe for some in here... Maybe it's not a romantic relationship, but maybe what you need in your life is, is more relationships that, that push you towards your faith, that, that, that challenge you to look at the scripture reading plan a little more. Somebody that when your life feels like it's crumbling, that you can reach out and make a phone call and go, dude, here's what's up and here's what's up. And man, could you just pray with me? Could you just keep my head on straight? Because I'm about to lose it. And you have somebody that can do that for you, somebody that can sharpen the spiritual dynamic of your life. Maybe for you, it's, it's you know what, I want to learn to be a little more generous with my money. Maybe we, we have host team that comes up at the end of services. We talk about, you know, giving tithes and offerings, and there's a lot of people that give, and we're grateful for that, but it's, it's not nearly half the people in church that do. And maybe for you, you go, you know what, it matters to me because I want to invest in eternity. I want to be a part of this whole thing, and maybe I need to take that step and look at the tithe a lot more seriously 
seriously than maybe I have. Because by the way, that's how we exist and do what we're able to do is because each of us is part of giving to make that happened. Maybe for some you go, I want to make a difference in the lives of other people. You know what I want to do? I want to invest. I realize, and maybe you have too, that life is not just about me, and I want the bigger, and I want the better, and I want this, and I've got this on my list of things that I want, and you realize that the more that you center what you sort of want in life around what you, you tend to think would help you fulfill whatever it is inside of you, when we begin to realize we live outside of the box of me, myself, and I, there's something deeply fulfilling because God wired all of us to help serve and to make the lives of other people better. By the way, as a church, we really wholeheartedly believe that, that we don't exist, as I said a little bit ago, as a country club, or we exist for ourselves and, and to sort of have this thing that we gather and, and play church, but we are here to help other people realize how Jesus matters to us because he want, we want Jesus to matter to them. Fast forward now. When I, when I ask the question, what do you need to start? Let's do this. Let's, let's fast forward to the end. So, so you, you want to start this because you think that at the end of the year, at the end of this you know, situation, at the end of the decade, at the end of my life, here's what I want out of it. Here's what I would like to see. I mentioned before that three years ago, I was 39. Three years ago, I realized that I was no longer a young person, but I also wasn't maybe in the older spectrum, and that I was kind of hitting my stride at middle age. And, and at 39, I was not super physical. And I realized I really want something to change, not just because it seemed like a good idea, but honestly, because I was looking at the end. I was looking at, you know what? I want, my, I want to be able to be physical and keep up as much as I can with my kids as they get into sports. As, as my kids, get, maybe they're going to go skiing or they're going to enjoy something. And I want to be able to run around and play with them and not simply watch them from a chair. I want to make sure that someday when my kids have kids, that I can be the kind of grandpa that I'm able to get around, wrangle around, and, and play with my grandkids someday. So when I think of exercise for me, it was not like I want to get shredded and be super buff and all that. Honestly, it wasn't that at all. It was me literally going, when I hit 60 and 70 and 80, whatever that looks like, I want to be as healthy as I can because I want to enjoy those relationships in that season of my life. So looking at the end, maybe the end is the ultimate. When, when it's the end of your life and you think back, what do you want people to say when you've reached the end and people gather for your memorial service? What is it for you? This week has been a little um, kind of polar opposites in, in regard to my view as a pastor. One of them was, it's, it's pretty awesome to celebrate. We had two new babies in our church born the last couple of days, and it was so fun to see that and congratulate and stuff. Uh, of course, Andrew and Amanda, a couple of weeks ago before Christmas, had their baby, and I love that. It's such a cool thing to celebrate. But then we also, as a church, um, had to say goodbye to Bill Clune. And Bill Clune is that guy that if you were at Grove Men in the spring, we had him come up, and he was a guard at Alcatraz, and 97 years old, and he passed away just a few days ago. And, and man, when I found out, my heart just sank. And it's not that we didn't know it was coming and he had different things going on where he's getting slower and, and stuff like that. But man, it was that thing where I look back and, and, and Bill Clune. And, and it's, here's the thing. We have the service coming up this Friday and it's gonna be meaningful. We'll be here at one o'clock and stuff and you are invited if you wanna come. But, but here's what's cool. When they asked me to officiate the service and so I get to bring the message during the, that service, obviously that's an honor for me. But you know what's amazing? It's pretty easy to come up with stuff to say. You know why? 
Because Bill Clune was the kind of guy that when you look at his story and you spend time with him and you, and you learn who he used to be and having not grown up in church world and, and came to faith in Christ at a, at a, you know, in his 20s and, and, and allowed God to shape him. He was rough around the edges and he had been a prison guard. And like I said, he was a guard at Alcatraz. He just had this crazy, crazy story. And yet as you look at his life in, in the older years, I've only known him for about 25 years now, but when you look at his life and go, wow, man, you're incredible. You inspire me. You encourage me. You're such a blessing to me. And even at 96, 97 years old, he would still say, you're my pastor. I respect you. I appreciate you. Thanks for coming to visit me. It blows me away. It'll be easy in one way to, to, to say what I need to say on Friday because he was an incredible individual to know. That kind of legacy, that kind of thing. And so when you look at the end and go, wow, here's what I would love to see in my marriage someday and I'm not there yet. Here's what I want to see with my resources or my finances. Here's what I want to see with, with whatever it might be for you. What is it? I want you to think towards the end and now go backwards. And we're going to take a look at the life of Moses here in Exodus. And what I want to do real quick is read what we see in Hebrews chapter 11 about Moses. So real quick, New Testament, and then I'll, we'll go back to Exodus here in a moment. By faith, Moses when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. Father, we want to stop and pray. And God, even as we think about what is it that we need to start as we think about maybe this word goals, that Jesus, we don't, we don't exit the conversation because, oh, that's timely. Oh, that's just fine. I get it. It makes sense. But that, God, we're all challenged to look at how we live differently because of this conversation and because of the story of Moses. So we invite your Holy Spirit to do that in all of us in Jesus' name. Amen. When you read Hebrews 11, Hebrews 11 is end of life. Hebrews 11 is long since Moses existed on the planet, and the writer of Hebrews gives us kind of his, his eulogy. Moses was awesome because here's what happened in him, and that's pretty incredible, and he was looking ahead to his reward. What a stud. But that's not where Moses started. Go back to Exodus chapter 2, and Moses is born during a time as a Hebrew where the Hebrews were enslaved in Egypt, and it had been 400 years of slavery, and, and it's just ugly. Things aren't going so well. Moses is born. Um, babies are being killed by the Pharaoh um, because he's concerned about the population of the Hebrews that are in slavery. And he's one of those that should have been killed, but his mom sends him kind of down the river. And uh, not that way, but anyway. Um, and, and he ends up being raised in, in Pharaoh's palace. And he has kind of all the rights of, of being a child of, of you know, royalty here. But it says this, one day after Moses had grown up, this is chapter 2, verse 11, he went out to where his own people were and watched them at their hard labor. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people, glancing this way and that and seeing no one. He killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. The next day he went out to, and saw two Hebrews fighting and he asked the one in the wrong, why are you hitting your fellow Hebrew? The man said, who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, what I did must have become known. Moses! How about this? Moses the murderer. 
See, we come into 2018, and maybe when you hear a message like this, and, and we talk about you know, this legacy and what we need to be, you simply think to yourself, you know what, I'm not good enough for this conversation. I don't fit in this conversation. I've never been the kind of person to, to sort of get through this, or I'm unworthy because of past mistakes, or uh, you know, so I'm so far behind financially, there is no way out. This is my life for the rest of it, or I'm facing big decisions, and I have no idea which way to go, or you've experienced the loss death, separation, divorce, whatever it might be, and you simply live to exist. You're just getting through, and, and yet, let me go back to this conversation about Moses. Moses, for all intents and purposes here, is a murderer, and he didn't get away with it. Clearly, they knew what happened. So somebody challenges him, and he runs away and hides for 40 years. He goes somewhere else, and he's no longer around. And 40 years later, God shows up to him, and he has this moment in chapter 3, if you turn the page in your Bible, if you got one with you, chapter 3, and, and look at this encounter that Moses has with God. And God says, hey, my people need to be led out of Egypt. They've been in slavery for too long, and, and all this stuff has happened. He gives this kind of history in the middle of the chapter, and then he says this, you go bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And let me start with this conversation. There's something about this conversation where Moses goes, but who am I? But Lord, here's where I'm at. If anybody knew that Moses was a murderer, wouldn't it be God? And God meets him right where he's at. And that's what I want to say to every one of us. We've got to be willing to start right where we are. But God, who am I? But God, do you know my past? Hey, do you know what I did last night? I was here today, and we were singing worship songs, but do you know what came out of my mouth last night? Do you know what I was doing over Christmas break? Do you know my habits in 2017? Do you realize what's going on with me? I'm not worthy. And Moses tried to use the same excuse. The point is, you've got to start where you are. Moses said to God, who am I? And God's response was this, five words, I will be with you. That's it. I will be with you. There's something about, like I said, having the God of the universe with us every moment. This might be a shock to some of you, but as a kid, I was a big mouth. Okay? And so, you don't have to laugh about that. So. I was. When I was in ninth grade, I was four feet, nine inches tall. Okay, I was not a, a large individual like I am now. Uh, shut up, just stop it. Anyway, when I was in school, there's me, Nick, going to the Marysville Pilchuck High School. There was another kid in my grade who was a little person. And, and, and they called us the Little Nicks because his name was Nick too. It was awesome. But I had a big mouth. Here's the thing, though. I also had friends that had more muscles than I did. They took the weightlifting classes. I skipped. I'm like, I'm not going to those. I can't barely lift the bar, which I probably couldn't lift the bar. But anyway, and so for me, I remember as a kid, um, I could get into trouble pretty easily, but, but my friend that I grew up with, my best friend, Dwayne Berger, was willing to fight my battles. And he told me before, if you get yourself in trouble, just let me know. I'm like, sweet. So I would start the issue, and he would finish it. And I never lost but one fight because he could jump in and take care of it, and that was to a whole group of people. But anyway, that's another conversation for another day. Dwayne Berger said, I will be with you. <laughs> and then you're like, don't use that. That is a horrible example. Don't do that again. 
but, but my, my point was life was different because I knew I had a friend who could take care of business. And let me just say this, and maybe it's a lame parallel, but let me just say this. What about you and me? What is it that, that in our lives we're going, man, I wish I could. Man, I'm dreaming about. Man, there's something burning in me that could be different. Man, there's something burning in me that could make a difference, that could, that could influence others, that could really be. There's something in all of us. And yet we go, yeah, but I can't. And God would say, I will be with you. It doesn't matter where you are if you know who you're with. That was a lot better than the response, but. See, we can feel unworthy for all kinds of reasons. And God says to you the same thing that he said to Moses, I will be with you. Start where you are. The second thing is this, use what you have. If you fast forward in Exodus to, to chapter four, Moses, so, so God is telling him, I want you to go and I want you to do this. And Moses answered, what if they don't believe me or listen to what I say? Or, or, and they say, the Lord did not appear to you. Then the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? A staff, Moses replied. Why did Moses have a staff in his hand? Because he was a shepherd. And a shepherd takes care of the sheep by corralling them with his staff. And I want to say to you, not only do we start where we are, but use what we have. There's some of you in here that go, you know what, I don't have much to offer. I mean, I'm a, I'm a teacher, you know, I, I, I'm a mechanic, or I can organize things, or well, I'm, I'm good with kids, or whatever it might be. And we take for granted that those things matter in the kingdom. They do. Use what we have. There's too many people that make excuses for why they can't make a difference because they think they can't get up in front of people and do something like this. Big deal. Use what you have. Moses had a staff, and yet God specifically used the staff that Moses had. It was a natural instrument that he used for his career. Can you repair things? Are you good with numbers? Are you good with kids? Do you know how to cook? There's all kinds of ways. I think like, there's just about every week there's somebody in our church that we're praying with and, and walking through, they're having surgery, or there's some stuff going on, or they've had a baby, and, and, and the, the meal thing's easy. If you know how to make a meal, then you need to let us know. You know why? Because about every week there's some family that's going through something that it's so much easier to go, hey, we got a meal for you. You're good tonight. Don't even worry about it, rather than living off of like top ramen or the food you get from a drive-up window all the time. So it, it, cooking is a simple one. Maybe, like I said, maybe you know how to, as a mechanic, repair cars. And you go, I just repair cars. You know, one of the things that we do at Mother's Day is, is help single moms and, and, and widows with their vehicles because we realize, especially maybe as ladies, it's not so easy to keep up on what needs to be kept up with. So every Mother's Day, the day before, we always gather a bunch of people around here. We do oil changes and do some cleaning up and stuff like that just to make their cars a bit better. And you go, well, I, that, I, I can do that. What is it for you? What are you good at? And why would you excuse that as that just, I just can do that? No, maybe God's given you a gift that you can make a difference with one way or another. See, a lot of times when we look at this whole start where you are, use what you have, we take for granted what we have. Well, it's not much. Well, I can't do much. Yeah, but you can do something. And by the way, when you do something, it doesn't matter what your pace, you're still lapping everybody on the couch. Isn't that good news? 
And finally, do what you can. In Exodus 4, obviously I mentioned the beginning of it, and the Lord talks about the staff, but then you look at verse 10. Moses said to the Lord, Lord, I've never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I'm slow of speech and tongue. The Lord said to Moses, Who gave man his mouth? Who makes him deaf or mute? Who gives him sight or makes him blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, and I will help you speak and teach you what to say. Go, get up and go. I, I, I think of th- this whole picture of Moses is like when I'm trying to put one of my kids to bed. You, go, you try to put your kids to bed, especially my younger kids now. It's like, well, I need some water. Oh, I forgot to brush my teeth. Dad, guess what happened today? I want another hug. Will you sing me a song? Will you read me a story? Can we read another story? And over and over, I'm like, okay, yeah. And then at times, I'm like, no, no, you just need to go to bed. Do you know what time it is? And then they do this, Dad, how much does God love me? And you're like, I can't walk out now. Just go to bed. Dad, let's read the verse of the day on my verse of the day calendar. Okay, this happened last night. Okay, let's read the verse of the day on your verse of the day calendar. Okay, you need to go to bed. Hey, Dad, I wrote down a verse over here on my little pinup board. I wrote down a verse. Can we read that verse? Okay. And it's amazing how right at bedtime, all of the theology that they're thinking comes out of them. Like, well, what is this about and why is that? Go to bed. Go. Stop. I need out of here. It's kind of like God dealing with Moses. Over and over, Moses is like, but God... But Lord, oh, but God, but I can't, but you don't, no, it, it doesn't. And, and maybe for all of us, we need to hear that. You know what? Stop with all the stalling and do what you can do. I, I don't get the Bible. I understand that. But you know what? If you keep a habit of reading it, little by little, pieces start coming together. And it can take a long time to understand a lot of it. But you know what? That's part of this whole journey. It doesn't happen overnight. It's like the matrix where you download a blue pill or red pill and all of a sudden you get everything. It doesn't work that way. Maybe you want to make your marriage better. You go, man, my marriage is on the rocks. Pray about my marriage. And I get that. But you know what? It doesn't happen overnight. You know how it happens? On February 2nd, anybody in here a married couple? Just raise your hand. Anybody in here married? Raise your hands. If you're married in here, we have something called fight night. And, and how many would say in your marriage you've had conflict? Just raise your hands. Okay, the same amount of hands should go up, by the way. <laughs> same amount. Shouldn't be like, oh, not me. We're perfect. If you don't have conflict, I'm telling you something's wrong. But anyway. But maybe you go, you know what? I want a better marriage. I want my, this year, I would love to see my marriage be different and better. And fight night is, is it's happening here on February 2nd. It's a Friday night. And doctors Les and Leslie Parrott are coming to help us for two hours navigate how to have healthy conflict in marriage. Because it's so easy in marriage. We get angry at each other, and then we ignore each other for a couple days, and then we act like everything's okay, and we never deal with it. That is a horrible pattern, by the way. And stop elbowing your spouse, okay? But, but again, you want your marriage to be better? You know what? It's not going to be healed in a moment. It's not going to be all better in a moment. But committing to something like that, and by the way, you need to sign up because it's going to sell out. It hasn't yet but it's getting closer. 
And so February 2nd, that's happening. You can go to grovechurch.info, excuse me, and you can sign up. You can go to the hub and sign up as well. You want to make a difference in the lives of people? But literally, maybe you feel like sometimes I can feel it's overwhelming because there's so many people that could use help. Here's what it is. Start with one. Start with one. You want to make a difference in someone's life that you live next to, but you don't even know them? Bring cookies over. I've said it a million times. You go, I don't know them. Well, maybe you should. And, and they, well, they didn't just move in. If I bring cookies, it can act like they just moved in. They've been there 10 years. Maybe that's on you. <laughs> you want to get physically healthy? It's daily choices. Maybe it's not everything all at once, and all of a sudden you're competing in something, you know, Mr. Universe in June. That's not what that's about. It's simple steps. Find a gym. I'm happy to help you with that because I did find one. It's awesome. Maybe it's realizing, you know what? Soda out, water in. Simple decisions that can help you be healthier. And there's plenty more beyond that. And there's people, by the way, in this church that would love to help you with that. Be financially sound. You go, man, my finances have been a wreck forever. Maybe, maybe you could play the I'm too young card. Well, I'm only in my 20s. Sure, it's a wreck, but it'll get better later. It doesn't automatically get, get better. Anybody with me? Anybody beyond north of 30 that would say that's true? It doesn't automatically get better. Right. Because there's something about budgets. There's something about understanding resources. We, we offer Financial Peace University around here. It's a, it's a class designed to help you understand finances and get on budgets and have a plan for how you spend. And if that's something you're interested in, I don't have the dates today, and I probably should, but I don't. It will be coming up, and we're going to offer it, but it is one step you can take. By faith, Hebrews says, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. And I go back and think of it this way. By faith, when we have grown up, we refuse to be simply known as a product of our past. Everybody say this, start where you are. Come on, everybody, just jump in with me. Start where you are. Use what you have. Do what you can. You'll never finish something you don't start. God, today, I pray that your spirit would do a work in all of us, that we all at times roll our eyes over goals or resolutions or draw on a line in the sand, and this is a new year or whatever. And some of it is, you know what, a week from now, none of it will matter. And so we go, why even try? Maybe some of us, we, we last through January. By February, it's all falling apart again. Maybe some of us in this room have lasted for months and, and then it fell apart at some point halfway through the year, whatever it might be, I pray that we would stop rolling our eyes. We would stop going, you know what, all I'm gonna do is fail anyways. Why try? But God, to realize there's value in trying because sometimes it takes more than once to learn how to ride a bike. Sometimes it takes more than once for a kid to learn how to walk. And for many of us as adults, we forget that. You know what, sometimes it takes a lot more than once to get up and do something different, that our lives can be what you designed them to be, to live with the kind of purpose that you desire, to make the kind of difference that you ask us to make, to invest our lives differently than we have in the past. Jesus, thank you for the work of your spirit in every one of us today, that we don't simply get away from this conversation, that tomorrow we wake up maybe thinking about what, what's different, 
That maybe today, tonight, we, we take a little bit of time, a five-minute window even, to write down a few of those things. And what if this could be different? And then we look at what steps could I take to, to go that direction? And for some, it's maybe looking at the end. You know what? Here's what I want my marriage to look like. And I realize it might take a year or two or five. You know, here's what I want my health to look like. You know, here's what I want my relationships to be like. You know, here's, here's what I like to understand in my faith. And that we can look at the end and go, you know what? Here's what I believe it can take to get to that place. Jesus, help us all realize the value of it and not simply roll our eyes in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Podcast. If you want to keep up to date with us, like us on Facebook or sign up for our e-newsletter at grove.church.